Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a podcast from WOR. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Wednesday. Don't forget to email your Ask Dr. Jesse questions in now. No, I'm not jumping the gun. I won't be here tomorrow, so you got to get them in now or tomorrow whenever. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. And I'm going to get to a bunch of emails here in a minute before we talk about these millionaires and billionaires and their, quote, carbon offsets for private air travel. Another January Sixer having his life ruined, these poor friggin' people. But I have previously discussed with you Joe Biden and how I don't think he's going to be the Democrat nominee. This has become a much more mainstream talking point now. You remember, I've been saying this for two, what is it, two years? I've been telling you he's going to announce he's not running again for health reasons or whatever it may be. The system. It exists to do what? What is the system's only purpose? Protect itself. Protect its power. They don't care about Biden or any one of the individuals. If they believe Joe Biden threatens their ability to hold on to any power, they will simply remove him. I have always believed they're going to use the Hunter Biden stuff as leverage to remove him. Okay, well, whatever. Let's fast forward through that. That's become a more mainstream talking point now. He's too old. He's too this. He's too that. He can't talk. Trump, a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women in America unless you want to get the benefit. <laughs> All right, whatever. So what I have said repeatedly is that I think it's going to be Gavin Newsom. I at first thought years ago that it might be Eric Adams. That ship has certainly sailed. Anyway, it's not Eric Adams. So Gavin Newsom. Now, why did I say Gavin Newsom? It's not just because Gavin Newsom is a talented politician. I hate him as much as you hate him. Don't get me wrong, but he is a talented politician. He did get curb stomped by Ron DeSantis in that debate, and that was hilarious, but he's a talented politician. The reason I said, the main reason I said, though, I thought it would be Gavin Newsom is because Gavin Newsom has been making the preparations necessary to run for president. Contrary to what people believe, you don't just wake up one day and decide, you know, I want to be president, and you go run. Look, you know I ran for Congress a couple times in Arizona. This is one district in southern Arizona. We ha- And I ran a very lean campaign. I didn't hire a lot of people. I didn't, want, I didn't want to blow money on consultants and stuff. We had two campaign offices, probably 10 to 15 full-time staffers for one district in southern Arizona. When you run to be president of the United States of America, you essentially are building a Fortune 500 corporation. You have to have people here and people there and this and that. And you have to, you have to have offices set up and the personnel and this. It is a difficult task to prep running for president. And it's not something you can just do in a week. Gavin Newsom. He's the one who's been making those preparations, and he has. 
He's been building offices. Why do you think he's in Florida all the time? Why do you think he's in D.C.? Why do you, bouncing around the country, setting up the campaign infrastructure necessary so if the opportunity arises, he can run for president. But I have been previously dismissive about one person, and I shouldn't have been. And I hope I was previously correct. Michelle Obama is starting to make some noise. She's starting to make a lot of noise. Just recently, we played for you a little clip of Michelle Obama. She was on a podcast talking about how she's afraid for America. We'll play that for you again in a second. But before we get to that, let me explain. What she's saying is not important. That she's saying anything publicly is important. The things that yeah. keep me up because you you don't have control over them, mm-hmm. and you wonder where are people? Where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter. Who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit, it affects us in ways that I, sometimes I think people take for granted. Not exactly a ringing endorsement of Joe Biden. We know the Obamas and the Bidens. There's tension there. But setting that aside, Michelle Obama's worth $400 million or something like that now. Of course, they weren't worth anything. Then they became president, and now they'll be billionaires. That's pretty much how it works in this crooked country of ours. Anyway, why is Michelle Obama sitting down to do podcast interviews when she's the very much retired, very much wealthy former first lady of the United States of America, she doesn't ever have to speak to anyone ever again for any reason. Then I'm looking at a headline today. Michelle Obama may already be working on a 2024 House bid. This is a report courtesy of the New York Post. Chris, go ahead and get that uh, audio prepped again to play again. But before you play it, I want to remind everybody how people go how people announce running for president pretty much every time this is not a democrat thing by the way this is democrat republican they all do this they all say i'm not running i would never run no i can't no i wouldn't be right no i can't do that no i'm too busy no i want to spend time with my family i would never do it and then in the end when they inevitably run which they were always planning to do what do they say? What do they say when they, they inevitably run? Joe Biden did it. They all do it. What do they do? Look, I wasn't going to. You know me. I said I was never going to. The people have begged and begged and begged. And this time is so dire. The stakes are so high that very, very reluctantly, I certainly don't want to be the most powerful person on the planet, but very reluctantly, I have agreed to run for president. Now, knowing that that's the speech she would give if she decided to run, Listen to her answer again in that context. The things that yeah. keep me up because you you don't have control over them mm-hmm. and you wonder where are people where are we in this you know where are our hearts what's going to happen in this next election I am terrified about what could possibly happen mm-hmm. because our leaders matter who we select who speaks for us who holds that bully pulpit it affects us in ways that sometimes I think people take for granted. 
I wasn't going to run, but I got to be honest with you. Joe announced he is retiring because of health reasons. And like I've said lately, I am terrified, terrified. So very, very reluctantly, I admit I am now announcing I'm running for president. Not that far-fetched, is it? And the damage that would do, that might finish us off. And here's why. Here's why. Joe Biden is obviously a horrible, soulless monster. But Joe Biden is not a committed communist. He's an empty suit. He's a cadaver. Joe Biden isn't anything. He just does whatever he's told whenever he's told to do it. Now, that's very bad because it's all committed communists around Joe Biden. That's very bad, but it's not as bad as it would be if we had another Obama in there. There's a reason everything changed in this country in 2008. If you look back, the real fork in the road for America, the real election we couldn't afford to lose was 2008. Why? Because we went from having the standard empty suits in office, even Democrats, we went from that into somebody who actually believes. Barack Obama is a believer, a true believer. A believer in what? In communism. He came up under Frank Marshall Davis, a committed communist, student, studier of Saul Alinsky, as you well know. Barack Obama was taught to hate America from the earliest time in his life. And you could trace his resume, thin as it was before he became president, and all it was was America sucks, America sucks, America sucks. Part of the reason Obama got into office, and instead of just doing the empty suit thing, he dug in. He dumped all those generals and admirals on day one in the military and replaced them all with a bunch of commie scumbags. He filled up the bureaucracy, FBI and otherwise, with Maoists, with people who really hate this country. Why would he do that? Why not just sit back and be the standard Democrat and just go through the motions? Because Barack Obama believes. He believes all the way. He believes America is evil and must be burned down. And the person who probably believes that more than he believes that is his wife. Remember that famous video that's out there? It's everywhere now. You can go look at it if you want. They're at a patriotic celebration. And Michelle Obama leans into Barack. This is on camera. You can go look at it if you want. And she says to him, she's looking at all those flags, all this patriotism. You know what she says to him? All this for a darn flag. Only she didn't say darn. She said the D word. And Obama looks at her and nods his head like, yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? We can't afford another Obama. I don't think we could afford the last one. We dang sure can't afford 2.0. So... Let's get away from all that and get to some emails before we get to January 6th and carbon footprint stuff. You know what I got this morning? You know what I got? I got a text message from my wife. You know what it was? Golden doodle puppies are now available for sale in our area, and she was slowly pitching me on another golden doodle. I can't I can't deal with this anymore. I didn't want the first one. And... And I know how this is going to go. I know we're going to end up with one. I know we will. And I know 
And I'm going to give that dog rough greens too. Because once you take them in, you love them. They're, they're just the best, man. Is there anything better than the love of a dog? Take care of your dog like you love him. Pour rough greens on your dog's food. Let your dog live not only longer, healthier, better breath, shinier coat, better dog. Aren't you ready for that? Your dog, will you'll have years longer with him. Call him. 833-33-MY-DOG or go to roughgreens.com slash jesse. We'll be back. Fighting for your freedom every day. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. You don't like that song, Chris? Are you not an Aerosmith fan? I like Aerosmith. Aerosmith, my old man, told me he went to an Aerosmith concert in the 70s. How sick. How sick with that. Well, he does hate fun, Chris, but he learned to hate it over the years. But who are we kidding? It's my old man. He probably hated it then, too. He probably got there and looked around at everyone dancing and singing. My dad does not dance and sing or anything like that he probably i can see him now even as a young man scowling at everybody this is stupid go ahead touch me again and see what happens i bet you hit somebody there i bet he did i would t- i could totally see it 100 <laughs> percent. speaking of hitting somebody well oh I, I should note in response to the texas razor wire story texas is defying the government brandon darby he's our cartel expert you know i don't do a lot of guests hardly ever He's going to join us next. I may keep him on for a little bit. There's a lot to discuss what's happening in Texas versus the federal government, where this is going. This Texas razor wire, Texas immigration situation, it could, I'm not saying it will, this could escalate into something wild. Remember, Texas and the government of Texas, the people of Texas, they cannot They cannot suffer unending illegal immigration without destroying their state. At the same time, the federal government, they cannot, under any circumstances, stop the thing that guarantees the collapse of America. Because that's their goal, they must flood the country with illegals. It is a central part of the communist plan. Look up the Cloward Piven strategy if you would like confirmation of what I'm saying. It is a central part of their goal. They can't abandon that. Texas can't keep allowing it. We may have ourselves a good old-fashioned standoff here. A Mexican standoff, Chris. What, Chris? Come on. It was set up right there. Buenas tardes. I had it. I had to. Now. Speaking of hitting somebody, before I get to emails, you know I've been out on the pro sports thing. I'm not judging you, like I said, but for the most part, pro sports I'm really out on. I do enjoy professional baseball now more than I used to. I guess I'm getting old. It was nice to watch the Texas the, the Texas Rangers, the team that didn't do Pride Night win at all. I'm not even a Rangers fan. I don't even like the Rangers, but that was kind of cool. So, But for the most part, I'm out on professional sports. I have, however been missing professional sports. Not something to obsess over. It's like watching sports. I'm a dude. I like the UFC. I like fighting. I've been to live fights before, and they're sick. Every time one of these UFC guys goes on camera and talks, I get closer and closer to being a UFC super fan, and I think I'm going to start I think I'm going to start renting UFC fights. Hey, Chris, how much are UFC fights? Are they a lot? Well, uh, 
Why do you raise your hands like you don't know? I assume you've priced virtually everything in this society. They're probably a lot. 40, 50 bucks, I would say. So, yes, that's a lot, Chris. Pay-per-view when I was a kid was like $19. If you Anyway, it doesn't matter. Whatever. I'll get a couple buddies to come over. We'll split it. 40, 50 bucks? I think I'm going to start. Why? Man, it's so refreshing to hear men in a society talk like men again. Here's Dana White, big cheese at the UFC, some dirty commie reporter. This is beautiful. You obviously give a long leash to your fighters about you know what they can say when they are up there with a UFC microphone and you are getting into territory of homophobia, transphobia. Like, is there... I don't give anybody a leash. Well, I'm saying you... A leash? I'm st- like Free speech. Gonna control when, what people say. Going to tell people what to believe. Going to tell people. I don't tell any other human being what to say, what to think, and there's no leashes on any of them. What is your question? I was asking that question. I'll move on, though. Yeah, uh, probably a good idea. <laughs> Dude, they're sucking me in. They're sucking me in, and I love fighters anyway. I'm friends with a few of them. I think I'm going to become a UFC fan. Only now, here's the problem. I need to kind of get boned up on everything so I can sound like an expert with other UFC fighters. Now, don't get me wrong. I've seen plenty of UFC fights, and I know many of the classics, the greats, the Anderson Silvas of the world. I know those guys. I'm not totally unfamiliar with fighting or the UFC, but... Now I need to become smarter than everyone else who is, so I'm not at a UFC party when I invite my buddies over, and I'm like, yeah, I've seen him do that a lot. And they're all, he's never done that before. And I have to say, well, you didn't see him in his amateur years like I did. That's more what I was talking about. <laughs> anyway, I need to um, <clears throat> I need to get pretty knowledgeable about UFC pretty fast, so I'm going to dig into that here any moment. Look, here's what else I know. My male vitality stack will help because if your T levels are too low, you can't watch professional fighting. You'll be watching the fighting and someone will get hit and you go, oh, my gosh, I can't, dude. Ah, it's somebody bleeding. That's what most men are like in this society. Why? Because T levels are in free fall. T levels are half of half of what they were 50 years ago. That's insane. That's society ending. That will end our country. We can't make enough babies. It's horrible. Chuck is out there trying to reverse that to get us bolder and stronger with natural herbal supplements. We need to be doing this naturally. We need to be walking away, running away from big pharma. Chuck.com. C-H-O-Q.com. Ladies, start a female vitality stack. Fellas, start a male vitality stack. Get some chocolate powder in your life. I bet the fighters use chocolate powder. I would use chocolate powder if I was getting ready to get in a fight, Chris. And then I would still get knocked out, but I would have so much energy when I woke up. Anyway, chalk.com promo code Jesse. Now, this border stuff is bad and good. Well, it's complicated. Brandon Darby knows more about the border, Mexico, America, immigration policy than anybody I know. You want to get smarter than all your friends? What's more fun than that? Buckle up. We'll do that next. 
It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Turn it off, Chris. What is that? Did Darby request that? What is it? Darby, you need to read all of his stuff. He does all the Cartel Chronicles stuff for Breitbart. Breitbart. Okay, Brandon, before we get to cartels and border and racer wire and all these other things, what's Kate Bush? I've never heard of her. It was Chris. He said, please ask for this song so I can hear it. <laughs> And I said, okay, I really go, you know, something that Jesse and I listen to a lot. Um, <laughs> and I said, okay, man, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Whatever you want, buddy. You know what? You're a dirty liar. You're a bad person. Anyway, <laughs> Brandon, okay, uh, I need your take on the big border story now before we get into some other things. There are a lot of other things I want to get to, actually. Government tells Texas, remove the razor wire. Texas says, go pound sand, adds more razor, razor wire. It's looking like we have a potential conflict here between the states and the federal government. But what's going on? Well, we have a massive conflict between the state of Texas and the federal government. So basically, you know, Texas is, you know, declaring an invasion has uh, made efforts to use its military to uh, stop people from coming in from Mexico illicitly, illegally, um, between ports of entry. Uh, some of the hot spots where this has occurred, uh, you know, the federal agents have stepped in and started cutting the wire and allowing people to cross where Texas has placed the wire. There was a hot spot that uh, kind of has always been there, but it's, you could say, developed and turned into a hotter spot. Uh, right in the center of Eagle Pass, Texas, in a park uh, slash golf course and um, a publicly administered park. Uh, and the state of Texas took it over and told the federal agents to leave, that, that the state of Texas was taking it over. Uh, that's where everyone's crossing. The state of Texas put up razor wire. Uh, the federal government sued Texas, said, hey, you can't do that. Remove the razor wire. It goes back and forth, goes to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court says yes. The Fed can remove the razor wire, and then Texas says, no, you're not removing the razor wire, and not only are you not removing it, but we're not giving you the park. Um, you know, people in my position are sitting back making popcorn, you know, and, and just watching to see what, you know, what happens. Brandon, where does this lead? And I ask it this way. I don't know that you, you see the same way I do, but I see it as – these people on the left intentionally open up the border. It's not an accident. Flooding the country with illegals is part of their worldview. It's part of what they want. If you're the state of Texas, you obviously can't allow your citizens, your state, to be overrun. Doesn't this make a conflict of some kind inevitable? And I hope to God it's nothing physical, but doesn't it make some kind of conflict inevitable? Yes, it does make some type of conflict inevitable. Um it could, you know, you could see this resulting in federal charges against Texas leadership and then state charges against federal. I mean, this could get real, real ugly and weird real quick. Um, but the bottom line is, I think I'm going to tell you, you know, folks were attacking Abbott, saying he's soft on the border, he needs to not be our governor, and they were attacking him. But I, nobody can say that now. I can tell you that much. And you know, even even if you look at the concept of busing or flying or moving. Uh, people who come here to other states and when you start to see New York say, hey, New York City say, hey, you know, uh, we're Democrats, we support, you know, humanitarian efforts at the border to let everyone in. Whoever shows up here should be given a, a hearing. And, and you say, okay, if you feel that way and you're a sanctuary city, we're going to send them to you. And we did that. And all of a sudden, New York's like, wait a minute, something's got to be done. 
our services are overwhelmed. We can't help our own homeless population, our veterans. Our schools can't afford it. Our social services can't afford it. And it's like, well, what do you think we've been saying for a couple decades in Texas for? What do you think we've been talking about? So should Texas hold all of this burden and the Texas taxpayer deal with this burden by themselves? Um, or, or should it be distributed across the country, uh, especially to cities and places overwhelmed? You know, they're, they're not talking so much about being, being for open borders now. And I think that that but really what we're talking about is a form of open borders now, not complete open borders, but they're not doing it now. And that was brilliant for Texas to do that. I think it was completely fair. And despite the arguments to the contrary, and, and this is kind of a continuation of that, you know, like, like the Texas governors had enough and you can't have millions of people showing up into your state, you know, and I'm, I'm sympathetic to those people, not all of them, some of them very sympathetic. Um, but I'm, you know, you can't have that. It's not fair to the people who live here. And and I think that's where this is coming from, just a complete frustration at a lack of enforcement and a lack of anything resembling, um, you know, you know, this is where people become, and you know, people get mad at me for saying this, but, you know, I, God bless, you know, blue dog Democrats. I don't have a problem with them, but when people go off into full libtard, right, full libtardation, this is the kind of stuff they do. They just open the borders they start passing crazy laws, you know, that if, if someone attacks you with an act, you can't use a gun because you're escalating. And you're like, you're <laughs> insane. And that's the kind of stuff this is. So here we are. And guys make some popcorn and enjoy it because it doesn't look like either side can afford to stand down right now. Speaking of Brandon Darby, Breitbart, of course, Cartel Chronicles. I have so much I want to get to with you, Brandon. All right, first, let's let's deal with a couple things that confuse people. I admit they confuse me, so that's why we bring you on here. Mexico. It used to be about 50% of the illegals in this country were Mexicans. The rest were OTMs, other than Mexicans. Sorry, other than Mexicans for everyone else. It's not the case anymore. Obviously, we have Mexicans coming here illegally, but those numbers have been skewed. The vast majority are not Mexicans. People ask, why doesn't Mexico do something or are they doing something on their southern border? These people all have to go through Mexico first. There's a story out today. They're kidnapping Mexicans on the way through. Why doesn't Mexico do something? Okay, I'm so glad you asked me that. Um, there are two major bargaining chips that Mexico has when dealing with the United States, right, and getting money from the United States, getting favors, getting help, getting whatever they want governmentally. Those two bargaining chips are, one, the people crossing through Mexico to get to our border, right? Um, and the second bargaining chip is China. So Mexico says, well, you know, if you guys aren't going to help us build this pipeline and build this railway, you know, railroad through the you know, this Mayan railroad, well, I guess if you're not going to help with our infrastructure, then China will. And that's what's happening. China's moving in. China is building you know china it wasn't the u.s who got their communications infrastructure it was huawei it was china and so they're using they're playing us off of china to get to get a more powerful leveraging position with the united states and then there's this migrant crisis and if you notice just before an election what's going to happen is the u.s is going to come to a deal with mexico and that means we would have done something and cost our taxpayers billions upon billions of dollars and then mexico is going to go you know what we'll crack down for now and that's what they're going to do that's what they always do um and that's what they're going to do again 
And, and so that, that is, this is their bargaining chip. This is how they play ball as a country. Now I'm not talking about the Mexican people and someone from Mexico. So anybody out there with, with, who's on the, the libtard side, don't get mad at me. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying as a country, as a government, this is how they play ball. Um, and this is one of their biggest bargaining chips next to, next to Red China. This is what they do. And they're just going to allow it to keep coming through. You know, you can't have it both ways, right? They say Mexico is a safe, wonderful place. And it's like, okay, Mexico is a safe, wonderful place if you say so. And then they come and say, well, people can't request asylum there because it's a war zone. It's a dangerous place. I know that it is a dangerous place. Most of Mexico, not all of Mexico. Um, and I know that there are portions of Mexico where people could live peaceably and request asylum. And there are a lot of places in Mexico, over half of Mexico, where that is under the control of paramilitary transnational criminal groups we call cartels, right? Um, but there are places in Mexico people could go. So obviously, like I said, this is just a big bargaining chip. People want to come here. Um, and I ultimately think that in the minds of a lot of Democrats that, you know, I'm sure a lot of them are well-meaning and they think, well, we just want to be kind and they're just out of touch with the reality of what that means for everyone to come here like this. Um, but I think in some people's minds on the left, they realize that they're changing voter demographics by bringing in a bunch of people who need social services who are going to vote blue, ultimately. Um, and that's where we are. That's, that is what is happening to our country. Brandon, I should have asked you beforehand, do you happen to have cha- a chance to stay on for one more segment? I just have a couple more questions I want to ask. If not, that's fine. I didn't ask beforehand. Just let me know. I'd be honored. I would be oh, honored. Awesome. Be honored. All right. We will be right back with more. Brandon Darby. I told you to go read the Cartel Chronicles. Did I, did I not? Right. You should be reading everything Darby writes. Everything. You want to, you want to know the real truth about what's happening? He always tells us. We'll be back with a couple more things on Brandon Darby. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. If things get really bad here in America, maybe I should go become an expat and live in Mexico. It's funny because I was thinking the exact same thing because I'm so big on Mexican food. Now, what would you bring for a trip like that? Obviously, I'll bring my knowledge of Spanish. Buenas tardes. I will also be bringing along gold coins. Why? Well, once they collapse the U.S. dollar, I'm sure the peso will not be far behind. Gold and silver... They cross borders. They span time. Isn't that insane? The gold you buy from Oxford Gold Group, it will still be here a thousand years from now. When you're dead and gone, hopefully it's still passed down to your ancestors, but it will still have value a thousand years from now. You want to talk about something that lasts, something that's reliable. Call 833-995-GOLD and get gold or silver, I don't care, delivered to your front door. 833-995-GOLD. Back with more Brandon. Sean Hannity. Tomorrow from 3 till 6. I'm getting right back to Brandon Darby's joining us now. Breitbart, of course, Cartel Chronicles knows more about the border and all the crap going on there than, frankly, anyone in our federal government. Okay, Brandon, uh, there was another story from today, and the story itself is not as important as the fact these stories are becoming more common. Border Patrol agent caught a rock in the face. A bad one. He's fine, by the grace of God. He's certainly going to need some stitches and maybe some concussion protocol. But they're getting bolder with our Border Patrol agents. That used to be something they would shy away from. My friends on the Border Patrol said, you really had to run into an MS-13 guy to run into someone who really would challenge you. These challenges are happening more often now from my perspective. One, are they? And two, why? 
Absolutely they are. And so here's what's going on. We've talked about this for years on your show. Um, what, what I said to, to run it down quickly is some of the cartels along the border who control territory along our border are run by older people with more experience who are more focused on long-term profit sustainability. And some of the cartels along our border are run by a bunch of young gangbangers because we've taken out all of their leadership, right? And they don't care about tomorrow. All they care about is profit today. So when you look at a migrant crisis and where the majority of people are showing up, whatever criminal group is there allowing that to happen is a criminal group that realizes it's going to bring more media attention, realizes it's going to bring more law enforcement presence, realizes it's going to make make it harder for them to get drugs across, right? But they don't care because they just want the money from the migrants today. They don't care about tomorrow. They think they're going to die tomorrow anyways or get taken out. It doesn't matter to them. And so what is happening is the continuation of that. It's the fruition of that, the obvious outcomes of that, which is over time, they quit caring about whether or not they hurt U.S. Border Patrol agents, whether they kill Americans, whether they kidnap Americans, because they don't care about tomorrow, right? They only care about their profits today. And that's what we're seeing. We're also seeing, I mean, if you look at Venezuela and you look at what has happened historically in Venezuela, right? You have all these criminal groups in the barrios around Caracas and every other city in Venezuela. And when Hugo Chavez got power, one of the ways that he controlled the community and made sure that there was, there was no dissent and that his enemies were taken care of was he kind of deputized all of those criminal gangs, right? They would call it the lumpen proletariat, right? He, he deputized all of those criminals to be part of his government apparatus as a security structure, right? Kind of a militias, a militias of sort. So you have this massive growth, growth in these criminal organizations. And now you have like how many hundreds of thousands of young men coming from Venezuela in these communities. Well, I'm sure a lot of them are decent people, but a lot of them are not. A lot of them are part of a game called Train de Aragua, right? They're part of, that's one of the largest gangs in Venezuela. And they're coming into our city. They're coming in. We can't differentiate between the guys who are coming here to work and have a better life and, and the people who are coming here who are members of these gangs. So as they come here and as they're in our communities, whether it's in the border communities where they're released or wherever, they begin to replicate and utilize the, the pre-existing criminal structures to do illegal things, which brings violence and a massive threat, not only to the American population, but also to that small segment of the American population who are our law enforcement, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's just a natural outcome of having, you know, millions of, young fighting age males from crime-ridden areas show up at our border and get released into our country. Brandon, last question, because I've only got you know a couple minutes left, but the, I am curious, why are the cartels of Mexico, the transnational criminal organizations, as you refer to them, why are they okay with you know, a Venezuelan gang running people coming through Mexico? Normally these kinds of organizations are a bit territorial and a bit combative. Why are they not running into problems as they make their way through cartel land? Well, because the cartels don't know that's who it is. But you mark my words, and, and mark my words, my friend, right? Within six months, like, and I'll remind you of this because I'm going to be right, and I'm, I want to gloat, honestly. I like to gloat. I have an ego, too. I'm, I'm, I am but a man, right? <laughs> Within six months... 
we're going to start seeing media stories about Venezuelan gangs clashing with Mexican, Mexico-based gangs in San Antonio, Texas, in Dallas, Texas, right, across in Chicago. You're going to start seeing this because what we're doing is we're taking them into our country. When, when tons of people are paying a cartel or promising to pay a cartel and they're coming in here, like it's not like the cartels know everything. They don't have total informational awareness and they can run everybody through a database and see if they're connected to a gang. And it's easy to do it, but then that's 13 and they have tattoos all over their face, right? But it's not easy to do when it's guys who look like normal young men, right? Who put on their best clothes, they fixed their hair, nope. put a little vitalis in their hair and combed it, and, and then showed up at the border after paying for money. They don't know this. So these guys get here and they start interacting and they start trying to move stuff. And, and maybe they're saying, hey, like, you know, I want to... You know, I know the Zetas or CDN, if you want to let them get away with that name change rebranding effort. It's, it's still the Zetas, Los Zetas. If, if, if Los Zetas is there and it's like our territory and these Venezuelans are going, hey, well, then we'll just deal with your enemies in the Gulf Cartel and get some stuff up here and sell it, you know. And that's the kind of stuff that we're starting to see. Um, and it's the stuff that we're going to see a lot more of. Mark my words, Venezuelan gangs. Problems in U.S. cities, conflicts with Mexico, Mexico-based uh, criminal organizations or Mexican-led criminal organizations. Your words have not only been marked down, they have been time-stamped by Jewish producer Chris. And when this happens, we will bring you back on to spike the football in everyone's face about how right you are, because that's one of my favorite things in the world. Brandon, you are the best, brother. I'd keep you forever if I could. I appreciate your time and your expertise. How about that? How about that? Everyone's smarter now. This has been a podcast from WOR. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.